Hey, this podcast is sponsored by our personal finance courses. So if you have problems with mastering your money and you need help, go down below and learn how to master your money. And this is a plan that anyone of any income level can follow. It is simple and easy to follow for any income level in any situation and it's very straight to the point. And if you want to learn how to make money online, go down below as well. And we'll see you in future episodes. Well, Ray Dalio said, I have some Bitcoin. So the billionaire hedge fund boss sees an inflationary future where cash is trash and Bitcoin catches on as a store of wealth. But he still doubts governments will tolerate it. So concerns about a looming global debt crisis have taken the world's top hedge fund manager from doubting Bitcoin or BTC to dabbling in it. Bridgewater Associates founder Ray Dalio said the U.S. dollar is on the verge of devaluation on a level last seen in 1971 and that China is threatening the greenback's role as the world's reserve currency. In such an environment, Bitcoin with its gold-like properties, looks increasingly attractive as a savings vehicle, said Dalio, whose firm started 2021 with $101.9 billion in assets under management, making it the world's largest hedge fund. Personally, I'd rather have Bitcoin than a bond in an inflationary scenario, Dalio said during an hour-long conversation with Coindesk Chief Content Officer Michael J. Casey. Now, his interest is more than hypothetical or academic. I have some Bitcoin, Dalio volunteered in the middle of the interview recorded on May 6, and to be broadcast Monday during consensus by Coindesk 2021. Dalio joins fellow billionaire Stanley Druckenmiller in not only expressing pessimism about the dollar, but taking a position in Bitcoin and broadly, the traditional finance world has gone from ignoring or shunning to tentatively embracing cryptocurrencies, some looking to profit from their day-to-day -day volatility and others seeking a haven from inflation as governments swelled money supplies during the coronavirus pandemic. Bridgewater's chief financial officer, John Dobby, recently left the storied firm to join NYDIG, the Bitcoin custodian and prime brokerage that facilitated insurance giant MassMutual's $100 million crypto buy. And after expressing skepticism about the cryptocurrency as recently as November, Dalio began to show a change of heart this year. There exists a possibility that Bitcoin and its competitors can fill that growing need for an alternative store of value, he wrote in January. Dalio's off-the-cuff remark to Coindesk about owning some Bitcoin represents the closest thing to an endorsement from him to date. Nonetheless, in the same conversation, he reiterated his concern that governments, fearing competition from Bitcoin to state monetary systems, could crack down on its owners. And I agree. I agree that governments are probably going to do that for many different reasons. The only thing is how... How effective are they going to be to that? Because it's going to be a situation similar to, let's say the government were to like tax the U.S. dollar to like 80% plus for high income earners, right? 
What's to stop any of those high-income earners to denounce their U.S. citizenship and to move to a different country? Nothing, right? They could easily probably move to like Singapore or something and end up just not caring about what the United States does. So Bitcoin's greatest risk is its success, Dalio cautioned. And then the debt cycle. So more than a decade ago in the... Okay, yeah. Da, 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 da. No, 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 no. Okay, now that's not really. Okay, yeah. Looming inflation. A major narrative surrounding Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is that they serve as an inflation hedge or at least will benefit from fiscal and monetary stimulus. As governments around the world continue their attempts to stave off economic crises with more spending, much has been made about the prospects of inflation in the 12 months ending April. The analyzed inflation rate for the U.S. was 4.2%, well higher than the Federal Reserve's 2% long-term target, though a large part of that was because the rate is being compared to April 2020, a month where many of the world's economies ground to a halt. Now, there are two types of inflation, Dolly said. One caused by supply and demand, where labor demand is high and capacity is low, forcing prices up. And then there's monetary inflation due to a devaluation of the currency. As money gets pumped into the economy, it intertwines the two inflation types. We will have a hell of a lot of demand because we put all that money in cash all over the place, said Dalio. At the same time, as the money supply has increased, the yields have fallen to lows as investors snap up bonds and other assets such as real estate. It'll change the amount that is in the hands of individuals and so on, he said. And that'll move on because cash is trash. I mean, I'd say that because it'll have the have that negative real return. It is that second monetary type of inflation that will ultimately hold sway, according to Dalio. That could be good for assets such as real estate, stocks, and cryptocurrencies, but only up to a point. As those prices rise, like a bond, their future expected returns go down, he said. As they come closer to the interest rate, then there's no longer the incentive to buy those things, and you could have trouble. It becomes very difficult to tighten monetary policy because the whole thing falls apart and everything's interest rate sensitive. Now, the central bank then has to resort to more money printing, he added, and that could eventually lead assets to have a negative real return, despite nominal increases, as was seen in the 1970s. Then you have China as a capital competitor. Coming in to fill the vacuum of the dollar's decline is China, which has done some fiscal stimulus and relatively muted monetary stimulus since the start of the pandemic. The world's most populous country is also being helped by loosening restrictions on foreign investment into the country, Dalio said. In 2015, only 2% of Chinese markets were open to foreigners. Now it's over 60%. But if you look at the relative pricing and so on, it's a whole different story because they're not doing quantitative easing, he said. They still have an attractive bond market. They have attractive capital markets that are more open. And as they're more open, big investors, institutional investors, central banks, and so on view themselves as underweighted there, meaning their holdings in China are insufficient relative to the returns they can generate. A capital market drawing in investments can translate into added strength to the Chinese renminbi. When you buy a Chinese financial asset, like buying an American financial asset, you have to buy their currency, so it's supportive to their currency and it's also supportive to their assets, said Dalio. He said China gains the capacity to build 
and lend its currency when there are capital inflows, and China has been very reticent to do that so as not to disrupt the system, but you're seeing more of the inter- internationalization of the renminbi. It has appeal for borrowers and lenders, and that dynamic is really following the same arc of monetary systems and empires pattern. And then you have the neutral reserve currency. So with one currency, the dollar, possibly on the way while another, the renminbi, possibly ascendant, there is the chance of a neutral cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin could act as gold did in previous centuries. While he suggested a diversified portfolio could include the oldest and largest cryptocurrency by market cap, there are risks many may not be considering, according to Dalio. One of the great things, I think, as a worry is the government having the capacity to control almost any of them, including Bitcoin or the digital currencies, he said. They know where they are, and they know what's going on. Governments may start to worry should bondholders sell their bonds in favor of Bitcoin. The more we create savings in Bitcoin, the more you might say, I'd rather have Bitcoin than the bond. Personally, I'd rather have Bitcoin than a bond. Dali said chuckling. And then the more that happens, then it goes into Bitcoin and it doesn't go into credit, then governments lose control of that. Such a situation could lead those governments to crack down on Bitcoin holders. And one indicator, Dali said, is the relative value of Bitcoin versus gold. Excluding government reserve and jewelry uses, the value of gold is roughly $5 trillion. He estimated about five times that of Bitcoin. It's about 80-20 right now in the world, so that's something I'd watch too. But I think those things probably are going to rise relative to bonds. And there is one scenario where rising debt can be overcome, and that's through productivity. And while that's harder to measure than before, it will hinge on technology, he said. The road is going to change at an incredibly fast pace, Dalu said, and whoever wins the technology race wins it all, economically and militarily, and that's what the next five years look like. So I thought this was a pretty interesting uh, story. There's obviously more to that. So if you want to like read more, you could go to coindesk.com slash consensus Ray Dalio. I have some Bitcoin to read the full story. And if you want to learn how to master money, go down below because once you learn how to master your money, you're not really going to have to worry too much about, you know, the prices of individual things because the point is once you master your money and you get to a certain point, it's very simple and easy to manage what you're doing, right? So if you need help mastering your money, go down below and learn how to master your money. But either way, I thought this was pretty interesting. And honestly, I agree with him that I do believe that over time, maybe not this year, but over time, countries are going to go very harsh against cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin. They're going to try to do everything they can to ban it or to do something else to prevent people from getting like easy access to it. Because in the grand scheme of things, the best thing for countries for their best like for their own interest is to actually prevent people from actually getting involved into bitcoin or into any sort of cryptocurrency because it becomes an alternative that being said you have the whole foreign exchange market so there's nothing stopping anyone from just putting their money into a completely different currency and there's not a lot of restrictions on there but it just makes it like you know more of a hassle right you could put your money and basically convert it into you know 
Canadian dollars, right? Or to the Australian dollars, right? From the United States dollar or from Euro or from the yen, right? There's nothing stopping people from like transferring any of that to any other currency. And that's the way I view cryptocurrency as just another currency. So they might do a lot of things to make it harder for people. But I don't actually see governments actually being truly 100% capable of actually preventing anyone and everyone from getting involved into another currency. It just seems pretty far-fetched, at least to me.